Hey, my friend, are you tired of that constant battle of egos on your team? Are there misunderstandings? Maybe is there tension on your team where these conflicting views just can't move forward? Well, what if I told you that the very conflict that can sometimes tend to tear teams apart could actually be the key to unlocking unprecedented collaboration and success for you and for your team? Hey, leaders, buckle up. This episode is a kickoff to a three-part series that will really help us to orchestrate from clash to harmony in your team. So stay tuned and let's dive in to this game-changing experience that I know so many leaders are struggling with today. Crystal DeCuna here, and I am thrilled to welcome you to the Leaders Listen Up podcast. I'm your host, and I look forward to being your friend. Each week, we'll equip you with new tools and creative techniques to help you design epic customer and employee experiences, allowing you to drive loyalty, retention, sales, and of course, deliver award-winning service. Bottom line, my friend, we want you to be the people's champion for your team and your customers. Hey, welcome back to the Leaders Listen Up podcast. And if you're watching this on YouTube, thanks so much for tuning in. I'm your host, Crystal DeCuna, and today we're embarking on a transformative journey that will surely have you thinking a little bit differently. We're starting this three-part series of really focusing on moving from clash to harmony and leadership because when we're working with leaders across the globe, across the industries, we're really hearing this challenge. It's like, Crystal, there's tension, there's miscommunication, you know, there's egos, that kind of butt head. And we want to create an episode that really helps to, to solve some of those challenges. But as I was designing the episodes, there's so much to dive into here, both personally and professionally, that I thought I'm going to break it up into a three-part series, giving you three strategies to really help you dive in. So in today's episode, we're going to be discussing strategy number one. And this is about embracing conflict with joy. And trust me, you're going to want to grab a notebook or pen and paper because there's some real nuggets here that I know will will not only resonate with you professionally, but also personally. Hey, as leaders, we have to have some balance in our personal life to be able to make sure that we're showing up uh, our best for for our team, yes? Right? We have to have that balance. And so you're going to want to take some notes and jot some of these things down because I really want you to practice them. Uh, and then tell me, tell me how it works. Tell me what doesn't work. Tell me if you've been able to, to come up with some best practices that can even help strengthen it for our listeners and our viewers. Let us know, stay connected. Uh, but I'm really excited about this episode because you're going to really get some good nuggets here. So let's dive in, my friends. When I when I was designing the episode, I really got me thinking of a quote uh, from one of my mentors, Mr. Tony Robbins. Um, and for y'all that know and have followed me for a while, there's just there's so much I love about his direct approach to things. And one of the things I remember him mentioning in a coaching session was that the only problem we really have is that we think we're not supposed to have problems, right? The reality is, my friends, whether it's in your personal life or your professional life or whatever, you know, area of your life that that is challenged, these problems are there for a reason, right? Life happens for us, not to us. And so when we can start to embrace the idea of, of conflict and approach it with a sense of joy, you're going to be able to really uh, start to to understand the issues and understand how they need to be unpacked and, and really understood a little bit deeper. 
Um, And so what if some of those challenges, you know, when I'm saying life happens for you, uh, not to you, what what if some of those challenges that come up were actually stepping stones for you, my friend, that allowed you to really create that harmony and that symphony that it takes for your team to succeed? So let's dive into strategy number one, where we're talking about how do we embrace conflict with joy, right? And I know it can be challenging because you're thinking, Crystal, you know, this is conflicting. This is stressing people out. There's challenges here. Um, you know, maybe you're, you're losing sleep at night. Maybe you're overeating. Maybe you're not eating. Maybe your energy is low. Um, these conflicts show up physiologically, right? They can show up in your, in your skin. They can show up in those sleepless nights. They can show up a multitude of ways. Your health is typically how they show up. Um, you know, increased blood pressure. I mean, there's just so many different ways. And so this this idea of approaching conflict with joy, my friend, is really to keep you healthy, but not just for you to be healthy, but for your team and all those around you healthy, right? And so we have to start with ourselves. And so when I created kind of this acronym of, of joy, I was really thinking of, you know, how do I like to feel? When I'm showing up to others, when I um, I'm showing up with my family, with my friends, with my son. I want to be that joy. I feel good when I'm in a state of joy. Um, so for those of you who have done fascination with me in the past, you know, fascination is this idea of how does the world see you at your best self? And so my fascination advantage is the ringleader. And so I'm motivated, spirited, and compelling. And like, that's where I feel my best. Right. When I'm not feeling motivated, when I'm not feeling spirited, when I'm not feeling engaging, or when I when I really don't feel like joy, I'm not showing up good for anybody else either. Right. Um, and so that's where I came up with this is to be able to embrace this conflict with that sense of joy. And then I really started breaking apart how do I feel when I'm feeling joy? And I looked at how uh, in my past and with some of my clients, how we're so successful with kind of using this joy model in our coaching approach, right? uh, I think it was in the last episode or maybe a few episodes in, I talked about uh, one of my leaders, really one of the the leaders I work with, really embracing the idea of coaching and starting to put it in their calendars and and make it a non-negotiable part of their every day. And so if you think of the acronym JOY, J-O-Y, we're going to break it down. And this is where I want you to start to think of using the joy method uh, to to start really, you know, facing those clashes head on, right? If you're facing those clashes head on, you're going to be able to achieve harmony. And with the joy method, we're going to break it apart one by one. So let's start with J. J is about judging the conflict. Now, Y'all know I'm a foodie. My son and I are big foodies. We love to watch TV shows, cooking shows. We love to eat. (laughs) We love to pick meals apart and and flavors apart. It's just something that we've done for years. I love to cook. Um, And so I thought of this food analogy, right? We want to be able to judge the conflict. And so if you're a foodie, this will totally resonate with you. You know, if you've watched those cooking competitions or those cooking shows, the judges typically are writing a dish on on a set of criteria, right? Perhaps the criteria is, is taste or maybe it's plating or creativity, for example. Well, as a leader, you want to be able to judge the situation as well, right? Not judge the people, not judge the emotions, but to judge the situation, right? You want to grasp 
the real essence of why the situation is happening, right? Just like you'd uh, evaluate like a flavor profile of a five-star dish, you want to evaluate, you know, how did they get here? How did the problem come to be? And as a mom, as a friend, as a daughter, my friends, I use this skill so often. I have to ask myself in certain situations, hey, do I want to be right or do I want to be happy? Yeah. And so as a leader, we got to ask ourselves that when we're starting to evaluate this, okay, you might know what the right ingredients are. You might know what actually got here, but I want you to think about this. Judging the situation and understanding the situation, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Right? So if the dish is missing that little dash of creativity, but it tastes fantastic, right? My friend, that's a good dish, right? So judge accordingly. Are you going to pick on the fact that it's it's missing that dash of creativity? Or are you going to applaud the fact that it tastes fantastic, right? Picking out those flaws over and over again uh, in a coaching situation, my friend, is never going to move the situation forward, right? And in your personal life as well, picking out those challenges, like this is the challenge, this is the fault, this is what you should be doing. I do this with my mom often. I'm My mom and I are all always having these conflicting uh, conversations. I'm like, mom, you should do this. You should do this. This is what you're not doing well. And I'm like, oh, Crystal, stop it. Right. Because picking out those faults and y'all do it. You know what I'm talking about? When you can easily see those faults, they, they stand out to you so quickly. Um, you know, and so in your personal life, picking those faults out is not going to move the forward, the ball forward as well. So whether it's personally or professionally, I want you to really focus on the good things, right? I really want you to focus on the fact that this dish tastes fantastic, right? And the flaws can be used to, to coach later. So number one is judge the entire uh, conflict and, and understand, okay, what specifically is it? You know, what are the things that I'm going to really focus on highlighting? And what are the focus things that I'm going to, you know, really not talk about because I'm going to adjust my uh, my leadership style accordingly, right? Here's the thing. When you pick out those flaws over and over again in a coaching situation, you're not moving the ball forward at all. You're not moving the relationships forward. You're not moving the conversation forward. You're certainly not moving the business forward if you're constantly picking out the faults, right? If that's the case, if you're constantly picking out those faults, it's about you wanting to be right, not about you wanting to be happy and you wanting to create harmony. So remember that we're trying to move from clash to harmony and we got to take a look at the good stuff, right? So judge the conflict and respond accordingly. All right, let's move to O. O is about opening the dialogue, right? Have you ever felt like, I've recently felt like this. So I thought this, this was a good analogy. Have you ever felt like a champagne bottle and you were like all shaken up? Somebody just kept shaking the bottle and shaking the bottle, right? And that, that it's just the conflict just festers and festers and it builds up. The more you shake the bottle, the more it bubbles, right? Have you ever felt like that, my friend? Um, and I want you to think of this like uncorking a conversation. It's kind of like dialogue flowing like champagne at a celebration. That's the idea right? You see, the cork is holding it all in. Yes. Right. But the dialogue needs to be had and enjoyed. And when you just continue to let it fester, right, whether it's positively or negatively, it just keeps going. And if it's a positive situation, then fantastic. So uh, if I look at it in a positive situation, today we're really talking more about conflict, but imagine if it's festering and somebody shaking up the bottle means like, Good things are happening. Good things are happening. And it's uncorked and positivity reigns everywhere. 
But in a negative situation, it's not a good thing, right? In a negative situation, you want you to think about uh, the fact that the more that bottle gets shooken, the more things are festering and bubbling up. And I, you know, in my personal situation, I, I really felt like I was, it was bubbling up and boiling and that bottle just kept being shook and it was shook like crazy. I literally felt like I was kind of going to explode with frustration, Right? Have you ever felt like that, my friends? You know, whether it's in business or in your personal life, that kind of thing happens to us. Give me a yes, yes. If you agree, let me know because, you know, this happens and this is a feeling that we've all had. And here's the thing. The other person that's shaking that bottle of champagne, they feel the same way. Right? It's not just a one-way frustration. It's both people are frustrated. The harder you're shaking the bottle of champagne, the more frustrated you are right? It takes two people to feel this frustration, one shaking the bottle and one trapped in the bottle. So I want you to think about that for your team, the people that you serve, right? Is it two people? Are they feeling a certain way? And are you feeling a certain way? Because there are feelings involved here, right? And our goal here is to open the dialogue. My friend, as a leader, when you feel this feeling of, you know, I can't believe they did that again, or I'm so frustrated because every time I coach them, you know, they're just not listening. And I've told them a million times the right way to do it. You know, the the longer you keep that cork in the bottle, the more frustrating and unhealthy the situation can become, not just for you, but for everyone involved. And not just for you and that other person either, for everybody involved. Think of your entire team, right? All the people involved in your team, they're all getting a version of you that's under that champagne pressure. Everybody in your circle, everybody in your environment is getting that version of you. And they're getting that version of the other person. So perhaps because there's conflict, that person is showing up you know, not at their best in their family situation. So I really want you to embrace the fact that open dialogue, my friend, it helps everybody. It helps you live better, feel better. It helps them live better and feel better. And ultimately, it helps everybody in your, both of your circles, right? Everyone can feel that tension and it's it's just not healthy for anybody. But when you change things, when you change the way you look at things, things you look at start to change. And conversations and compromise, really is the best remedy to this because nothing good comes from avoiding conversations. Having those open dialogues allow for really rich collaboration. Honest dialogues can actually literally help to reduce your cortisol levels. When you start to have good productive conversations, cortisol drops, right? And in turn, your oxytocin and your melatonin start to increase and allow you to to get those feel-good hormones and allow you to sleep at night. Because you're having open dialogues, nothing's being hidden under the rug. And here's the thing, you don't want your team members to hide things under the rug from you, right? So why do you want to hide things under the rug? If they're making you feel a certain way, if they're not moving the business forward, they're not being progressive in a certain situation, they've handled something wrong. My friend, have the talk, have the conversation, right? You would want somebody to tell you if you were doing it wrong, yes? right? We all want that. So to, to have a respectful open dialogue is really, really, really critical. And here's one thing I'll add, that your timing is really important here, leaders, to have these open dialogues. To really achieve a high level of success when you're having dialogue, 
I really suggest conversing regularly. Those regular coaching conversations are going to be really powerful. The more regular you can have those coaching conversations, the the more the other person is going to be receptive to receiving that coaching. If this is a situation where it doesn't line up with your regular coaching conversation, then I really suggest having this conversation within about 48 hours at the longest. If you haven't had that conversation within 48 hours, then my friend, it must not have been that important to you, right? That timing is really critical. Having it and addressing it quickly, um, not reacting to things, but responding. 48 hours gives you time. If you can do it in 24 hours, do it in 24 hours. This isn't a situation when you're having dialogue like this that you want to overthink it. It's better done than perfect. Have the conversation, allow for collaboration, um, but just talk about it. Don't hold on to it and think of, okay, when the timing is right, just have the conversation, right? Nothing good is going to come from from holding that champagne in and just, you know, shaking that bottle. Nothing good is going to come from that. You need to be able to let it out and enjoy the conversation right? Here's the other thing I want you to think about when it comes to timing uh, and addressing these open dialogues quickly. I want you to think about and ask yourself, if they make this mistake again tomorrow, is it going to affect our customer experience? Is it going to affect our employee experience? Is it going to affect our vision, our mission, our core values, our brand promise, our customer experience uh, promise? And if it is going to affect it in a negative way, You have to have the dialogue sooner rather than later. You're doing everything in your power to achieve some of those goals. And this one situation, because you're afraid of talking about it, could really, you know, derail our focus. And so use your vision, mission, core values, brand promise, use all that good stuff as your North Star on delivering an outstanding customer and employee experience. All right. Okay, let's dive into yielding common ground, the the why in our joy, right? And we want to be able to achieve those, hey, let's do it. Let's move forward attitude, right? Have you ever wondered why some people are really afraid of sales? Listen, I've been in sales pretty much my whole life since I was 11 years old. Uh, We had a family business and, and I just have always embraced sales. I love sales. You want to know why I love sales? It's because I really believe that the person receiving my product or service is going, their life is going to be improved by the product or service that I'm selling. That's my belief. And hey, if it's not going to improve your life, then I'm not going to sell it to you. And so I really love sales because I feel like I'm improving the lives of the people that I'm serving. And so as a coach, as a leader, I want you to think of that mindset as well. The fear that many people have in sales, and hey, if, if you're one of those people, are you a coach or a leader that's afraid to like get on the floor and actually sell and you know be in the fields and in the trenches and sell? If that's you, if you have that fear of selling, yeah, chances are you probably have a fear of coaching as well, right? Most leaders, when I start to meet with them and we start to have conversations at the early stages are, of our connection, typically coaching is, is a fear. Um, But it aligns with their fear of sales as well. Everybody wants sales. Everybody wants to be able to grow their business. But sometimes, you know, sales can be a scary thing. Now, this isn't a sales conversation, but I think it's important to address the connection. You know, coaching is not a scary thing. Coaching is going to allow you to help and improve the quality of life that your those coaching conversations. And here's the thing I love about coaching is that both people are learning. 
right? Not just the coachee, um, like not just the person being coached, but the coach learns as well. The coach learns what's effective. The coach learns how to get the best out of that person. The coach can see things that that person can't see. You know, I use the analogy of Michael Phelps. He's a phenomenal swimmer, right? Phenomenal swimmer, world record breaker. Uh, But guess what? His coach is not a better swimmer than him, but his coach can see things to improve his performance that he can't see. Your coach will make you do the things that you don't want to do so that you can get the results that you really want to get. And so you have to think about yielding to to common ground. Where can we find a good common ground so that they're happy in their performance and I'm happy in their performance and our customer is getting the best possible service? Right. And so when you yield to common ground, it's having that, you know, because you've had the open dialogue, you, you've judged the conflict, you've had the open dialogue. Now, together, you can come up with this common ground to move the dialogue forward and to, to, to move their skills forward, to be able to make sure that, you know, your customer is going to get that very best. And so you might be saying, Crystal, I don't avoid those conflicts. You know, I don't avoid those ever. And so I want you to think of the time, you know, was there a time when you had to approach a coaching conversation? Uh, And again, put your personal and professional hat on here because this applies to both. Were you in a situation where you're like, oh, let's just finish this first and then maybe I'll bring that up. Let's just get through this weekend first and then I'll bring it up. Or, you know, let's just finish dinner and then maybe I'll talk about it afterwards. Or, you know, let's, hey, you go do what you got to do. And when you're done, come on back and, you know, we'll talk about it then. Yeah. Is that you? That is 100% avoidance, my friends. And it's not going to move anything forward. It's going to affect your health if you're avoiding it. And it's going to affect the health of everybody else. I want to keep people happy and healthy, right? And so when we're trying to make sure that we're really approaching these clashing conversations with joy to create the harmony that we're looking for, we can't avoid those conversations. Nothing good is going to come from it. Here's the thing. Communication, my friend, is the single most effective skill in any relationship. Personally, professionally, absolutely any relationship. Communicating with confidence and really finding that common ground, that compromise, um, that's where the magic happens. That's where you realize that this situation is either going to work or it's not because you're not willing to compromise and you're not, and that's okay. Sometimes you don't need to compromise. Sometimes it's just not a good fit. And so if it's not a good fit, then you got to be able to, to say, okay, this isn't aligning with our vision. This isn't aligning with our mission. It's not aligning with our core values. You know, we don't have to be enemies here, right? We don't have to be enemies, but we need to be able to, to digress and move forward because your goal as a leader is to move the organization forward in towards that vision, towards that mission. If somebody else isn't supporting that and can't champion that, you got to keep going, my friend. And it doesn't have to be a conflicting situation. It just has to be a situation with, hey, I'm choosing joy. And you can choose joy in your own path <laughs> um, and, and create your own joy. But on this train that I lead, this is what joy is going to look like for our team because you're the leader, right? And you have that control. Okay, so yielding the common ground can can be challenging. I know that because because I faced it many many times. And so I thought of okay, how do I how do I bring this to life for all of you? How do I when you're in that situation where you're like, oh, I don't want to compromise my my situation. I don't I don't want to make changes. 
I want you to remember that you're a leader, right? And so I was thinking of this idea of, of really being the head gardener. So like, I don't have a green thumb. I am not a good gardener. I've planted all these wonderful flowers and they like, I just killed hydrangeas, which is like the easiest plant to grow. And in my front yard and mine are like just burnt. I don't even know what I did to them. So I don't, I'm not the best at gardening, but I am good at this. I am good at leading teams, but it really reminded me of, of kind of gardening and how that works. And so, you know, we want to have a bustling garden, right? And this beautiful, luscious garden. I think of, um, I was driving past one of our farmers. I, I live here in Niagara and, um, and there was a beautiful sunflower garden. And I thought, okay, well, sunflowers are kind of like, you know, a section in your garden. Imagine it's kind of like your marketing team, right? Like they're, they're consistently striving to, to get the highest views and the highest likes. And they're constantly striving to make sure that your brand is seen. Um, and then you might have like a lavender section in your garden where you're growing some lavender, some herbs. And those are kind of like, I was thinking of lavender. I was driving past a lavender field. Literally, we have a lavender field in Niagara as well. And I thought, oh, that's kind of calming. Where one side, it's like sunflowers and joy and like reaching new heights. And the other side was like lavender. And it's like that calming, that customer service. Like they're constantly striving to make sure that they can smooth things over with with everybody. Make sure that they're uh, handling every situation with care and calmness and kindness and courtesy. Um, and then I thought about roses, right? I'm a flower girl. I love flowers. And um, I, I mean, like literally I can buy myself flowers, <laughs> buy myself flowers all the time. Um, and I thought roses are kind of like, kind of like your operations team, right? They're elegant, but they require the right conditions to grow and they, they require the right conditions to, to really bloom, right? And so just like your business, each plant, the slime flowers and the lavender and the roses, and I don't know if they would all grow in the same garden, but you get the idea. Each plant, they require a different amount of sunlight, a different amount of water, a different amount of nutrients. But here's the thing. They all share that common ground. They all share that one garden bed. My aunt, um, she's a, a phenomenal gardener. My aunt, Sunita, she she really, really is a great gardener. And you go to her house and like, she's got every plant in that garden, like every vegetable you can imagine. And they're all sectioned off. They all have their own little area. She gives each one of them their own care. Um, and it really, you know, I thought about it and it's like, well, everybody does need different care. Every person on your team, if it's your family life, every person in your family needs a different bit of care, right? Different, different bit of tending to. But the one thing that remains the same is that fertilizer and that soil, right? And that that needs to be clean and weed free and make sure it's the best quality soil full of nutrients to help them all grow, Right. Your job is to find that universal fertilizer, the common ground that makes your whole garden light up and look lush and rich and beautiful. And that's the goal, whether personally or professionally. Again, I'm, I really want you to keep both hats on here because if you're not satisfied personally, it's going to affect you professionally. And as leaders, we got to have control over this. We have to be able to lead our own lives to make sure that we're uh, giving our best to, to those that we serve, right? And so I want you to think about that. You know, we got to find that magical solution, that magical fertilizer that keeps everything growing, right? But let's be honest here. You know, really being that the head gardener isn't about just scattering seeds and hoping for the best. 
right? You are out there every day pruning, watering, you know, and yes, coaching your plants to be their best selves. Some people I know, my aunt is out there talking to her plants. She's telling them to grow. Um, she, she loves it. And I've even heard that there's studies that people play music to their plants and their plants go grow better, right? And so the way that we're speaking to our plants the way that we're speaking to our team, the way that we're speaking to our family and our friends, we have to be able to remember that each plant needs something different, right? On a personal level, yielding to that common ground might look a little different, but the analogy still applies. So what I mean by this is it might be uh, more specific areas of your life. Maybe it's finance. Maybe it's your relationship with your kids or your spouse or your career. Each one is a different plant, right? Your job is to lead your life by making sure that you, you, you as an individual have the right fertilizer to make everything grow. But you, if you're not at your best, you're not going to be able to help your family grow. You're not going to be able to help your career grow. So it starts with you. All right, my friends. So as a leader, I want you to slip on those gardening gloves and nurture the conditions that really allow every member in your team to grow. All right, as I wrap up this episode, I really hope you took away some great nuggets and lots of notes. I would really adore your feedback. Let us know what you enjoyed about this. Let us know if you're practicing this or, hey, if you have other tips that can support this idea of joy and transitioning from clash to harmony uh, as a coach, as a leader, then tell us, connect with us, and let us know. So, hey, leader, coaching is an interactive process, and you're down in the soil with people, figuring it out, right? You're down there trying to make sure that you're finding out what's the best way to help them grow. When you coach your staff effectively, you're reinforcing this sense of of a real mutual respect and an alignment with your company's vision, mission, core values, right? It not only enriches the soil, but it really ensures that every plant or planter on the team adds value to that ecosystem, adds value to that that family unit adds value to that team uh, business unit, right? And so it allows you to really transition from clash to harmony. And here's something else to consider. There was a Harvard Business Review study done that showed that companies that spend above average amounts on, on training and really coaching their staff, you ready for it? They yield an 86% greater customer satisfaction and 45% higher market share. They literally are growing their market share because they're training and coaching their team to to really achieve that better result. Why? Well, because well-coached teams, they naturally thrive. They naturally want to do better. They naturally connect with each other and your customers. They become really that living, breathing manifestation of your, your customer experience goals, right? When they're getting filled and their cups full, that overflow, you're putting more into them, that overflow is what your customers are getting. That overflow is what your employees are getting. But when their cup runs dry, they got nothing to give you. Right? So it's you as a leader, you got to keep filling that cup. You got to give that overflow so that they're full, they've taken what they need, and now they can give to others. So you really want to embrace the idea of filling them up with that joy, filling them up with that good stuff, creating that consistency in your coaching conversations. 
Leaders, here's the thing. Pull out those pruning shears of wisdom, my friends, and those watering cans of inspiration and coach your team to get the very best of them. You know, you want to build a garden so attractive uh, that, you know, the bees are constantly buzzing around all your leadership skills and they are coming to you. That top talent is coming to you. Those customers are coming to you because it just looks so good and it feels so good, right? That's what it takes to be a really great leader. All right, leaders, today was an absolute blast. Thank you so much for joining us. And this lively episode of the Leaders Listen Up podcast was brought to you by The Inside View, where leadership is strengthened from the inside out. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. And remember, this is a three-part series. So next week, I'm going to dive into strategy number two, which is around fostering a culture of empathy and understanding that, again, will help you move from clash to harmony. And the week after that, we've created another strategy that will help you to really implement those collaborative problem-solving techniques uh, that will always help you in leadership. So don't forget, subscribe, stay tuned. And hey, if you enjoyed this episode, please share with your leadership team, share with your colleagues and friends, uh, because hey, great leaders, listen, learn, and share. So spread the word, my friends, uh, let other people know. And I really hope you took some great nuggets today. Your feedback is something that I cherish. So please continue to give that to me. I'm always thrilled to hear from you. So until next time, keep igniting your leaders, exciting your employees and delighting your customer at every opportunity you get. Leaders, remember to always listen up.